In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of koi gear, casting, and kunans. Okay, people, get your geek on. Everybody, it's October 14th, 2011, and you're listening to episode 14 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. And we're coming to you from inside our friend Michelle's suitcases on the way to Rhinebeck. Shh. Surprise! Don't tell her. <laughs> oh, Michelle, you know that sweater you just finished and you wanted to wear it at Rhinebeck? I kind of had to take it out so there was room for me. Sorry. No. Sadly, we are not on our way to Rhinebeck. Boo. Boo. One of these years, we will actually get to some of these huge knitting events. I got to go last year. Yeah, you got I to. You, you went to Rhinebeck last year. I, I forgot. Did. I got to go last year. You have been to the Rhinebeck. I, I have. has never been to the Rhinebeck. Yeah, you kind of turn a corner and go, "Oh my God, there's more tents and more." There's more barns. What? Yeah. It's like, wow, that was nice watching that watching that sheep judging competition. Let's go have some lamb for lunch. Yeah, that <laughs> to that. the lamb carts. <laughs> Bah, bah. Okay, I couldn't do that. No lamb burgers? I do love lamb. I just can't go straight from seeing one shear to eating one off the bone. No, but instead we are here. We are in, We are experiencing real fall this time, where, you know, leaves are actually turning, and wind is blowing, and shit, buckets of rain keep coming down every other hour. And, of course, that makes for wonderful knitting weather. Yeah, it does. It does. So, starting off with adventures in knitting. Okay, first of all, since I'm doing it right now. As we speak. Yeah, literally. Socks for me. The yes, they are for me. Yes, they are for me this time. Socks. Sure. <laughs> Sensei Karen finally approved the foot of the sock and that it fit me properly. And I did. What kind of heel is this? That it's a toe-up gusset heel. Okay, because I haven't. So, I you do have, a gusset and flat, but it's yeah. from the toe-up. Oh, what the heck? Let's put the sucker on and see how far up it it goes now. Nice. Fits. Yes. Yes. If it doesn't feel like way too tight around your ankle, then yeah, it fits. You're right about mid calf. And I still got quite a bit. And you've got quite a bit of yarn left. So I'm going to keep increasing stitches, what, every, what, three to four rows? About that, or or however many it seems like you need. Okay. Until you get to that. Yeah, until I get to the... Uh, the meaty, chunky portion of the of the calf, where you you know would normally insert slivers of garlic and stuff in rosemary and stuff like that, <laughs> and then I'll start doing ribbing. I'm looking forward to finishing these, and I'm gonna wear these with my Mary Janes when they're finally done and show them off. And yay! What the hell? So that's the yes, these are actually for me socks, and I haven't really been able to put them down because they're just in a plain stockinette. They're just vanilla, nothing really to them. This is sort of the learning as I go because all of the numbers and measurements are specifically for me. It's not really mathematically relating to a pattern. Yep. No not yet. pattern. Not yet. You can make socks from patterns. You just need to have an awareness <laughs> of, how, of what sort of stuff fits your foot so then you know how to change patterns. All right, so that's the socks. As for the Celtic stole, contrary to what I said last week, I said that um, if Monday was a good day, because we had Thanksgiving, if Monday was a good day, I was going to attack the stole. If it was not a good day, I was going to leave the stole. Mm-hmm. I did the inverse. Monday was a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you still decided and to I attack w- the And stole. I decided, oh, to hell with it. You know, to hell with swords and garters, I'm going to fix this damn thing. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's what I do. If I can't control the rest of my world that's happening to me, 
I have to control something else. So if crap happens in my day, <laughs> that's when I start going to knitting and it's a comfort zone because I can control where the stitches go. I, yeah. That's my theory. I actually ripped two rows. And it wasn't really easy ripping because it is alpaca and it's got a little bit of a halo on it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a smooth rip. It was an occasional... Yeah, no. And I didn't want to tug because that would mean that some stitches might start falling yeah. and laddering down. So it became a lot of actually going in with needles to unfurl stitches. Yeah. And then came the time of trying to rethread with the needle. And again, with lace and alpaca and the halo, mm-hmm. that became troublesome. So I wound up, after threading, tanking back another two rows Ouch. just to make sure... Yeah. I didn't lose any stitches. Re-knit the two rows, and then started doing the border as was asked. So, I am now just about a third of the way through the border for one side. It's not hard. It's just, again, a pain in the butt. It's a pain in the patoot. And it's going to look damn purdy by the time it's done, because I deem it so. <laughs> it is going to look really nice when it's done. Like, just looking at the in progress right now, it is going to look quite nice when it's done. Okay, and that's I, I, that's all I've done for Adventures in Knitting. I've done one round of the handsome mittens, because um, if I had brain meats put together, I had, I put them towards the stole. Yeah. Because in my head, the stole has already been finished. My head does not like the idea that I have to recant this. Yeah. So you want to actually have I it want finished. to actually finish it, and if I don't have brain meats... I just go and I knit on the uh, vanilla sock. So the handsome mitten is sort of in between, and I haven't really paid it any attention all week. Poor handsome mitten. <laughs> Poor mitten. You feel sorry for the little mitten. <laughs> I was waiting for that. That's because you're crazy. It has no feelings. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell them this. Yes, go ahead. You remember last week, we went to the Needle Emporium in Ancaster, and after a very colorful, tedious session of Karen making sure that I do not keep running back for multiple second options and third (laughs) options and fourth options. I bought my Madeline Tosh for a sweater and on the drive back I said, you know what? I'm really, really wanting to cast on this sweater, but I already have that cascade for the Evendim at home and when I think in my head that I'm going to cast on this Madeline Tosh, I can almost hear the cascade go, aww. And that's when Karen decides that I'm crazy because the yarn has no feelings. <laughs> you feel sorry for the little yarn? That because you're crazy. The yarn has no feelings. That IKEA commercial never not is never not funny. Yeah, you, you're right. Well, now that I've got the yarn and the color, I'm sort of flip flopping around with the pattern. All yes, over again. I it's like Russian. We had decided on the pattern as we were driving to the store. Yep. And now it's like now that you have the yarn and you have decided on that like, I'm not sure about the pattern anymore. It's like, oh god. (laughs) It's like Russian roulette with me, really. I think when you go to, like, whenever you get to the point where you are going to start knitting the sweater, you should look at the patterns and just whatever one strikes you at that moment is what you are going to cast on. That's really dangerous. Alright, that's me for Adventures in Knitting. Okay, so this week I haven't done a lot, though I did cast on two new projects. One... I should say, is for my mother. I am actually knitting for someone else. And it's called the Missy Shawl by Kitman Figueroa. F-I-G-U-E-R-O-A. And it's basically a stole. And the original finish size is uh, 70 inches by 12 inches. It's in fingering weight. So hopefully this shouldn't take me take me very long. I'm doing one that's a little wider. It should be maybe about 18 inches wide. Mm-hmm. But because my mom is really short, it doesn't need to be anywhere near as long. 
So I have got it sort of started. A little bit started. It's a couple inches long. It's a, it's a lace ribbon is what you're saying? Yeah. It's basically like two inches wide by now. I am maybe halfway through the first repeat. And I need to get my ass moving on it. <laughs> when does your mom go to England? Um, one month from today, actually. One month from yesterday. Mm. So I need to get my ass moving on it. Of course, next week I'm going to have some time on my hands. Yes. Which I can probably use it, but I'll mention that later. For this one, I'm using Malabrigo Sock in the Tiziana Red colorway, which is good because the original pattern for the Missy Shawl calls for 440 yards skein of yarn, which is the exact length of a skein of Malabrigo Sock. But of course, like I said, I'm making it wider. Of course, I'm not going to use as much yarn in the length, but I'm not sure if that's enough to completely offset Right. The amount of the yarn. Proportion. Yeah, from that I'm using with the width. But the good thing is, this is the same colorway I just made the Aiki or Aiki shawl in. So I have about 80 grams of that left over. So between the two, it should hopefully come out long enough. And basically what I'm going to do is I'm just going to use up both balls. And then at that point, I'll be like, okay, it's done. <laughs> I'll see if it's long enough. Okay. But yeah, I, I need to get moving on this one. It's just this past weekend, of course, because it's Thanksgiving weekend, my brother and sister-in-law were down and their dogs were down. And so it's kind of hard to work on the pattern, which is one of the ones where I have yeah. to, you know, again, get a post-it note and move it up. Because this pattern has patterning for the first, maybe third of the pattern, it's pattern row, pearl back row, pattern row, pearl back row. After that point, it becomes patterning on both sides. Okay. So I really need the post-it assistance of a post-it yeah. note right now. So it's kind of hard to do something like that when you have all these other distractions going on. In the meantime, I have cast on another pair of socks because... You can never have too many socks. No. Says the girl making her first real pair. But I was kind of getting sick of the stockinette for a little while, so I'm like, okay, I'll put this away. Oh, and by the way, the yarn that, that I mentioned last week for my stockinette socks, the one by Dyed by Design, um, someone emailed me today to let me know they're in the UK. They actually called the shop Woo! to see if they had any. And then someone else from the Ralvery group who lives in the York area said they usually go to Ram Shambles about once a month, so they're going to take a look and see. Mm. The girl who called the shop said that they didn't seem to have any or didn't really recognize Understand. the yarn. Okay. So it sounds like it might have been a one-off sort of thing. In which case, it's probably a good thing I haven't posted. I haven't put, haven't put up any pictures of that yet, because it might just be rubbing salt in the wound, Ew. if anybody really liked it. But yeah, so it looks like it's not, it might not even be available anymore. But yeah, so I felt like doing some pattern socks, but not like a really difficult pattern. Mm-hmm. Or a fairly simple pattern. I sort of dithered and looked at Ravelry and was like, eh, I don't know what I want to do. And then I kind of felt like doing the spring forward socks from... I think it was the spring or summer 2008 Nitty, which I have done twice before, which until like a year ago, I think, I had never repeated any sock pattern. And I have a lot of socks. <laughs> Other than like a plain yeah. stockinette or like a two by two rib or whatever. But I just hadn't because there was always these wonderful patterns. But this time I wanted something that was fairly simple and fairly easy to memorize, but still had a fair bit of patterning in it. Yeah. So finally after a while I was like, oh, screw it. I'll just do spring forward again. Because I kept looking for patterns that filled the sort of niche that spring forward did, mm. but weren't this pair. And I was like, fine, screw it. I'll just do it yet again. Because it's what, it's the kind of thing 
thing I really want to do anyway. It's what you were looking for. Yes. So I'm knitting it in uh, Tannis Fiber Arts Fingering Weight yarn in one of the multicolors that she has discontinued in the meadow colorway, which is blues and greens and brown. And so far it is nice and pretty. And so it's good for, you know, on the bus knitting. Yeah. I can just sit on the bus and it's basically, you do five rows of the same pattern and then you do with plain rows in between, I should say. So it's pattern plain. And you do that five times, the same pattern row. And then you do three rows of plain and then you do a different pattern row, but again, do it five times. So it creates a nice pattern with these sort of wavy elements and these little eyelets, but it's really easy easy to memorize. And I don't think I haven't taken out the Viper Pilots at all this week because I just haven't had the time and the alone time to do so. And I think, yeah, that's it. I, that's all I've been knitting this week. I really want to start that Fair Isles scarf sometime soon, but <laughs> I need to write down, I either, either need to photocopy and cut out some of the motifs, like the first, say, five motifs I want to try, mm-hmm. and put them in my knitting notebook. Okay. I have a moleskin notebook that I was has... Gonna, my next guess was going to be Necromicon, so... I should say, it's a moleskin knockoff. <laughs> if I anyone, want one just like that! <laughs> I can't find them. I keep looking for them. This one, it's a... I should let everybody know, this is a, it's a moleskin knockoff by Piccadilly Notebooks. They have an online shop. Last time I looked, Canadians could not order from it, but I was, that was quite a while ago. No, that was quite a while ago. They do occasionally have them in the bargain bin section at Chapters. They do sometimes also have them at Winners. That's where I got this one. Okay. So it's basically, and like I said, it's a moleskin knockoff. It's got the, you know, the black cover and the elastic to close it and stuff. And it's got grid paper in it. So I have, like, for example, instead of printing out the spring forward pattern, I just drew the stitch stitch pattern in my notebook. Or for when I was doing the Potion Master Stole, I photocopied the stitch pattern for the candle flames, cut it out, and then glued it in the book. And then when I printed out the chart that I had made up to transition between two, and again, glued it in the book. So I think what I have to do is photocopy a couple pages from the Fair Isle stitch guides and glue them in here. But I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to start it anytime soon because I'm not going to be able to take it with me next week. No, and you already <laughs> have a deadline looming over your head. Yes, like and I've got Damocles. the yeah, I've got Mom's stole looming over my head. So I think I should leave it at this stuff for now. I'll start off with a geek squee that reaches back into my geeky past. This is actually the fandom that I first experienced on the internet because we got the internet in February of 1998. Back in the day of, like, GeoCities pages. Oh, my God. (laughs) Back when you could go to GeoCities pages and then have, like, the little animated gift of the construction worker being like, this page is under construction. Oh, boy. Oh, the memories. But back then, my big fandom was the Titanic. I have been a Titanic nerd since I have been 12. I was 17 when the movie came out. And I could care less about Leonardo DiCaprio, but I loved seeing the movie on the big screen and seeing the ship on the big screen. And the reason that I break, that I give you this little backstory is because, of course, the one thing that could be better than seeing that ship, which I had studied for years, on the big screen and in color, uh-huh. is seeing it in 3D. <laughs> And next April, oh boy, Titanic is coming back to theaters in 3D. Okay, now see, all I can think of at this point is Leonardo DiCaprio leaning forward into the audience going, I'm king of the world! 
and just falling over into the audience. And the audience going, whoa, leaning back, because they're like, oh dear God, get him away from me. But yes, it's actually not terribly recent news that it's coming out in 3D, but recently there was... So James Cameron was speaking and sort of being interviewed about his experience of making the film into 3D. And he talks a lot... I'll link to the article where he... He discusses this about especially why he wants to do it. And it has to do partly with, you know, his experience with Avatar and what you can do with 3D and the kind of things you can do with it. And he also has a lot of really in-depth discussion about how they're doing the 3D. Because there's been a lot of flack (laughs) recently for about movies which are not made in 3D and then are released in 3D. Either first-run movies... Right. Or movies that have already been out and then have been converted to 3D. Right. Because I've heard a lot of people say they just really don't look that good. The main movie I can think of that was converted to 3D, that was a first-run movie, was Clash of the Titans. Okay. Which I heard was a really bad movie anyway. But I have heard that the, the 3D conversion and it was pretty bad. And so, you know, movies, especially, like I said, especially ones that are made in 2D and then converted to 3D, sort of have the not greatest reputation from what I've heard in different logs, especially because it seems like a, a blatant cash grab. It's like, oh yes, let's turn this into 3D. Yeah. So we can hopefully get more butts and seats and can charge a higher ticket price. Re-release it again. It's like, it's not the, it's not Coca-Cola again. It's Coca-Cola yeah. classic. Yeah. And I've heard mixed reviews about The Lion King uh, in 3D. But you're still holding out As we mentioned last week, Beauty and the Beast. Well, like I said, I've already seen Beauty and the Beast in 3D IMAX, so... Oh, that's right. <laughs> but it's really interesting listening to James Cameron talk about turning this into 3D. Because, of course, James Cameron is the king of go big or go home. <laughs> like, he built a ship. Like, practically built, like, half of the Titanic to make this movie. He got, you know, the companies that had made things for the original ship to make replicas for the movie. So obviously when he's going to do a 3D conversion like this, he's not going to do it half-assed. And he mentions, like, the animators that are doing the 3D conversion, like, zooming in on, like, individual hairs and moving pixels to make it 3D-ified. I have no idea exactly how it happens, but, you know, they zoom in and boom, magic. You know, I'm kind of thinking that with that kind of attention to detail that he has... Let me rephrase that. With that kind of obsessive attention to detail (laughs) that he has, I'm kind of glad he hasn't gone over the deep end into the stalker crazy zone. Yeah, yeah. With that kind of, like, insane focus and obsession to getting things things right. I'm doing air quotes right now. I'm glad it is being used Um, as a force for entertainment and good. It could definitely earn him a lot of Sith power on the dark side. Yeah, and he talks about trying to make 3D out of a 2D movie. One of the things he mentions is, like, if you're looking at someone's face, you know, you're... Your left eye will see a little bit more of the left side of someone's head than the right eye will. And the right eye will see a little bit more of the right side of someone's face. So they have to actually go in and, like, create spots which you wouldn't see in 2D, but which you would see if you were in real life and therefore seeing it in 3D. So that when the you actually watch the movie, it won't just look like a 2D cutout of the person, you know, that's bumped up from the background. So when James Cameron is done approving what he wants to happen. It's not just going to be 3D. It's going to be, oh my, G-O-D. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Pretty much. Okay. Oh my, G-O-3-D. So I'm kind of interested to see what happens with this. 
Because, I mean, like I said, like we were saying, like, he has obsessive attention to detail, and he's, and he has also pushed the technological envelope with a lot of his movies. Like, The Abyss, Terminator, Titanic, he has been sort of at the forefront of, you know, movie-making technology. So it should be really interesting to see how this 3D conversion works out. Plus, I wouldn't say no to seeing the movie again. <laughs> I wonder if this actually counts towards my number of times I have seen Titanic in the movie theater. It should. <laughs> Which is currently the movie I have seen the most times in the movie theater. <laughs> Speaking of stuff coming out next year, didn't you find some information about the Sherlock? Yes! I'm pretty sure I retweeted it on our Twitter account. But there is a... Sherlock fan Twitter that posted apparently next year PBS has announced that uh, they are going to be showing series two of Sherlock on May 6th. There's still no official word from the BBC, but apparently they will have the episodes by like end of November and it might be January. So if anybody is listening from over on the other side of the pond and can confirm this, like if there's any gossip going around that just hasn't been posted on the BBC yet. Let us know! (laughs) Yes. Anytime you have an official date, please let us know, because, oh my god, I want to see it so bad. Oh my god, we're going to have a freaking Sherlock party, is what we're going to do. Yes, we're going to have a Sherlock party when it it becomes available. However, in Britain, because we have ways. (laughs) Perfectly legal ways, of course. Not not talking. Not Not talking. talking. Okay, anyway, going on to something else. Um... (laughs) We're going to send a house elf over to Britain. Yes, our house elves will go fetch the the DVDs from Britain. Okay, moving on. Mm. Thinking of redoing things, actually. Um, Recently, DC Comics has rebooted, like, all of their comic lines. I gotta wonder how much that pisses off some comic readers. I've listened to a couple different podcasts where they were discussing it. They discussed it on Made of Fail. Okay. One, uh, One month, actually. And, of course, it's getting a lot of... I think it's getting, of course, getting a lot of mixed reviews. Of course, there's people who really liked what they were doing. And as I was talking to Maggie, I I am not a huge comic book reader, so I don't know the entire backstory of this. Um, But I think with some of the really big characters, they already have, like, a couple different sort of offshoots of the the comic. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, like, Incredible Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, or, you know, this different sort of... Like, yeah, different sort of versions yeah. or offshoots of the main sort of line for that story. So I think some of those will be continuing, but they're still creating a new number one issue oh boy. for like everything they have. And one of the main things I've heard since this has now come out is about the way that female characters are portrayed in the series. Some people are not happy about this. Now that could be taken multiple different ways. Yeah, I think it's mostly from like female readers or male readers right. who pay attention to female characterization. And I think there's been a... I've seen a few articles and things about how certain female characters have become eye candy or they their entire character at least right now is really about how they fit into their bodysuit yes and about their sexuality and their relationships with men and in a lot of cases people are from what i've been seeing some people are saying you know, there's a difference between a character owning their sexuality, enjoying sex, you know, and still being a well-rounded 
person or character and just being provocative just because just to appeal to male readership so one thing that came out of this is the comics alliance has posted sort of these interviews or opinions from a lot of different comic artists and writers and it's not so much like this is why this is all wrong it's more like it's more positive it's more like Here's things you should, you should consider when you're writing or drawing female characters. Mm-hmm. One of the really good things they mentioned is, like, when you draw a female character, look at how you've posed that person. They immediately, like, look at the comic and now imagine it was a male character. And ask yourself if you would have posed the male character in the same way. Yeah. Because a lot of times they've said you can see where someone has posed a female... A key female character might be discussing something very important with another character, male or female, but something that has to do with the plot, let's say. Yeah. But she's posed so that her back is arched, arched. and her boobs are, you know, pushed out, or her butt is pushed out. Or I know there was another... I can't remember the comic, but they were talking about one... One of them was talking about a comic where, like, for the first few pages, you only see little pieces of the character at first. And you can kind of imagine the way a movie might show, you know, superhero, let's say, suiting up, and you just see Mm -hmm. them, like... Pulling on a glove. Yeah. You don't actually see their face or anything right. like that. The problem is, for this character, for the first couple pages, the little bits of the pers- person that you see, boobs, butt, waist, boobs, more butt. <laughs> it's like, you had to pick just the really sexual parts of Maybe her. Maybe some really glossy, full lips that, you know, have ultra shine on them and stuff yeah. like that. And I mean, and that's something that could be played for comedy or something like that in context, but it's just a sort of a smaller, even if that one is not quite that egregious in context, it's still the sort of thing, it's still kind of the sort of thing that a lot of people have been noticing about the way female characters are portrayed. I showed Maggie a blogger called Comic Book Girl, and that's girl with G-R-R-R-L at comicbookgirl.com. She's been going through each new issue and sort of discussing not just how women are portrayed, but the overall, you know, changes and, you know, how the new issues work for each of the, the comics. And it was interesting when I was scrolling down because first, the first thing you see is action comics, which is Superman on the yeah. cover. And Superman is all posed, like, it looks like he's holding up a boulder or something, and he's all posed heroically. And I forget what the second one, it was another... Animal Man or something? Yeah, I think that was it. But he's, again, he's sort of standing very straight and tall and looking tough. And the one after that was Catwoman. Who was And she's lying on her back, feet up in the air, and whatever she's lying on sort of bends downward, sort of in her middle of her back. So her boobs get pushed up. And it's like, I have seen this exact same pose in, like, pinup models of yeah. the 1940s. Yep. Guys, even if you write a really good story, that cover doesn't exactly sell that. <laughs> or I think it was with Catwoman that, you know, again, someone was writing about how, like, the character, again, owns her sexuality. Yep. And this is not a bad thing. But... When you pose a character like that on the front of the magazine, it's like, look at me and my boobs. It it sends a very different message. So there's a lot of really interesting information, especially if, if you like writing, like don't even write comics, but if you like writing stories and things like that, it's really interesting to read through what all these people say about, you know, how these people are portrayed. And some of them also go into, like, this isn't just women. This is, you know, you should think about all these sort of things. Like, when you just, when you portray people of other ethnicities, yes. people of color, 
you know, people with different, like, sexual preferences and all those sorts of things. So even if you like writing, like, short stories or want to be, like, a screenplay writer or something like that, it's really interesting to read. Or even if you're an artist, not of comics, but of any sort of other stuff, it's really interesting to read. Okay, speaking of comics and things that come from comics, the Avengers trailer came out this past week. Woo! So there was more Loki evil god goodness. For anybody who's been following the multiple series of the Avengers movies, and that would include the Iron Man, that would include Thor, Captain Captain America, America, and... So they're all converging together, and of course you throw in the Black Widow, Bruce Banner's in it. That was one of the, that was the end of the trailer where Tony Stark, being the gentleman ass that he is, going, (laughs) Bruce Banner, I love your work, I'm a great fan of your work, you know, your work is unprecedented, blah 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 and I especially love the way you turn all big and green and you beat the crap out of shit. (laughs) And you know, Bruce is just sort of left standing there going, right. Yeah, and Tony can do that, because he's Tony Stark. Yes. Tony frickin' Stark. He can do that, and it will be charming. Yeah. So that hit the internet this week, and I don't know about anybody else, but I am so looking forward to this. I kind of want to see what Hawkeye brings to the mix. If anybody doesn't know who Hawkeye is, he is the one who is going around with the bow, as in, you know, bow and arrow, not in a French boyfriend. And so that would be an interesting plot line. <laughs> well... Now, see... The superhero with a boyfriend? That would be kind of cool. Like, male superhero with a boyfriend? That would be interesting, right? Okay, really small side note. I'm full of frickin' tangents tonight. Way, way, way back when I was in my art school days, I wasn't in sequential art, which is the fancy name for comic book art. Yeah. But quite a lot of my friends were. And there are resource books out the wazoo for them. Mm -hmm. At one point, I was leafing through a book of all kinds of superheroes I had never seen or heard of before, but they were legit (laughs) superheroes that had been drawn and published somewhere. And one of the female superheroes was a lesbian. And I was like, Mm -hmm. damn, that's cool! Yeah! So, if anybody out there knows of a gay superhero, yeah, let us know! Neither of us are very much comic book geeks. I'm getting a late, like I said, I'm getting a late education through my son's cartoons. Actually, when I was in high school, my boyfriend in high school was mildly obsessed with Batman. I I learned quite a lot about Batman. Not so much anybody else, but I learned a lot about Batman. (laughs) But the reason why I'm interested in what Hawkeye brings into the mix, and I'm interested in how a couple of things play out, I have, as I mentioned, been learning about the Marvel Avengers through the... through the cartoon that my son has been watching. If anybody else knows of it, this is the uh, Avengers cartoon. I think it came out last year. It's been on Disney. And I didn't see them in the trailer, but I thought I had seen promo posters for the Wasp and Ant-Man. In the cartoon, Hawkeye is sort of like the king of just sarcastic one-liners. Actually, seeing the actor that's playing him, that is the immediate thing, I would think. Yeah. And in the cartoon, he and the Black Widow were partners, and there were issues, and then they became (laughs) enemies, and then there was like, there's this who's double agenting for who type of thing going on. I know I'm making this sound really serious, and, you know, it's ultimately, yes, a cartoon, but... Oh, I was so freaking into it! Come on! Superhero soap opera! Yeah, it was a superhero soap opera, okay? And I'm loving it because, hey, the Black Widow is a redhead that kicks total butt. 
<laughs> she has kicked everybody's butt. And one thing I was squeeing about right before we started, it seems like the Avengers movies, the, the way that Thor progressed and the way that it looks like the Avengers movie all comes together, mm-hmm. seems to mirror somewhat the cartoon in that Loki is trying to to conquer Earth, Mm -hmm. and it does take all of the Avengers to come together, etc., etc. Yeah. And one of the really cool things that I saw, and I totally had a geek squee flip out over in my living room, in front of my husband and my son. At one point, all of the Avengers are sort of scattered to the various worlds of Yggdrasil, which is the world tree that was described in Thor. If you haven't seen Thor, go stand in a corner. I'm mad at you. And I haven't seen Thor. I'm mad at you. And this isn't the cartoon, right? No, this isn't the cartoon. This is... The, re- the recent movie. Yeah. So, in Norse mythology, the world tree, also called Yggdrasil, holds together all of the nine worlds, with Midgard, as in Earth, being right in the middle. Well, throughout the plot, the Avengers get scattered one to each realm type of thing. Tony Stark wakes up from his trans-dimensional voyage, because, you know, it wasn't in a TARDIS. It wasn't nice and comfy like that. Yeah. He wakes up with his suit has been trashed, and he's sort of left with that black unitar that's underneath and he's being dragged by his feet through caverns by dwarves yeah and at first you go oh great they're gonna put him on spit and roast him you know (laughs) you know goblin style or something like that and that's probably what tony thinks too tony eventually from talking to the dwarves realizes that the dwarves explain to him they are the ones that make the kick-ass armor and weapons that all of the norse gods use yes and the Dwarven King says, I myself forged Mjolnir, the hammer that Thor wields. And you see this look come over Tony's face and he goes, Ever make a suit of armor? And I just totally flipped out going, Holy crap! <laughs> Tony Stark is going to the forge with the dwarves. Oh my god, Tony Stark is going to have an, ar- have an Iron Man suit made out of Dwarven metal. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, this is going to be serious. And it, it actually ass. shows it actually shows in the cartoon Tony Stark and the King of the Dwarfs going at it, you know, blacksmith anvil style. Boom, taking it, putting it in the coals, putting it in the water. And then, you know, he sets it down to rest and it's it's pretty geometric and not yeah. as streamlined, but yeah. it's the face of Iron Man and I'm like, <laughs> "Holy kick ass crap. Oh my god." <laughs> Tony Stark has a a dwarven Iron Man suit. Y'all are screwed. Yeah, plus 20 to kick ass. And of course, it was made out of the same metal that Mjolnir was made out of. (laughs) And Mjolnir was forged from the heart of a dying star. Dude! So I'm... I have no idea how closely they're going to follow some of this, because obviously there are going to be separations. One of the separations I was really upset about was that they didn't include the character of the Black Panther. In the movie? In the movie. Yeah. I thought he was kick-ass. We'll I don't think, like, considering they have only just brought all the Avengers together for this movie, I don't, I don't think they're going to go with the plot that sends them all each yeah, other yeah, to different yeah, yeah, worlds yeah. and stuff. I still think it would be cool if he managed to find himself in the Dwarven Forge, though. Yeah, that would be really cool. That would be really cool. Plus, I don't know with the movies how much they would push that kind of almost fantasy element. 
Dude, they had Bifrost. They had a rainbow bridge for Thor. Yeah, but most of the other characters are a bit more grounded in the Earth that we know and technology and stuff like that. And Loki is invading Earth. Yeah. Like, the fantasy war is coming to them. Yes, I just don't know how much (laughs) of it they're going to put... Like, I don't know how far into fantasy they would go. Don't mind me. I'm being annoying tonight. This is different from I'm any just other wondering, day like, how much of a balance they would have. Like, would it be, like, 50-50, or would they actually go, like, into 80% fantasy with superheroes? And for anybody who also knows the Marvel world, if you stayed to watch the end of Thor, and this is not a spoiler because it is out there and it is legal, if you don't want spoilers... You know, sing the Muppet theme song right now. At the end of <laughs> at the end of Thor, they do introduce the cube. And if you are a Marvel freak, you understand what that means. Yeah. And I didn't even get through the entire the first verse of the Muppet Show theme. There you go. <laughs> so there you go. All right, welcome back from the Muppet Show. Okay, so that's my bit. I am really looking forward to the Avengers movie, and that's yeah. all I'm going to say. I'm I I cannot wait. I know. It's going to be awesome. I'm. Just might have to go and watch the damn thing in boots and a cape. I think a bunch of us should do that. Not necessarily go full, you know, get up, because I don't know how many of us would be feel comfortable in bodysuits these days. Uh, no. But I do think... I don't think anyone wants to see me in a bodysuit. I've given birth, dude. But I think all of us would probably feel comfortable going in boots, a cape, and maybe a mask. Yeah. I think all of us should do that. You know, going to the a movies on mass... I mean, even if it's just a freaking bed sheet. A mask, even just the black dollar ones that you get at the dollar store. Boots and a bed sheet. Big gloves if you got them. I think that would be cool. We could be knitting superheroes. Knit and pearl. (laughs) Oh, God, I need something to drink for that. Okay, so while you're having a drink, actually thinking of that whole dichotomy and, and balance of science fiction and fantasy in the movies, actually there was a flowchart, SF Signal, a speculative fiction blog, created a flowchart to NPR's top 100 science fiction fantasy books. And it's it's actually, looking at it, it's a slightly more irreverent version of Reader's Advisory that we do at the library. <laughs> it's like, well, what do you want to read? Science fiction or fantasy? And it, Okay, you pick fantasy. And it's like, well, do you like, Are you, have you read fantasy before? No? Okay, read Lord of the Rings. Yes, I have. Do you like, you know, time travel? And then there's all these questions. And it is like an epic flowchart. It's freaking huge. It is huge. It is amazing. And it'll take quite a while to go through each little thing. I'm kind of tempted to print, get it printed out really big, put it on a huge bulletin board and tick off each of the books as I read them. That would take a while. It'd be kind of fun to print it off really huge and bring it to work and be like, if anyone asks for RA help, I'll just be like, look at this flowchart. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny though with some of them it says do you like what was it so one of the ones for an option it, w- it went into a various uh, options orphan and then said farm boy when was yeah, orphan? do you feel like do you feel like reading about orphan farm boys no and <laughs> it says tough and it points you to a book anyway or there's there's even ones where it's like you have you can pick between science fiction and fantasy but then below that it's like both I want to read about this and it'll give you some suggestions or both I feel like reading this and it, it gives you some suggestions and it's it's really extensive and a lot of the little ant- the little responses are rather funny 
and you should really check it out. This was actually sent to us by someone on Twitter, whose Twitter name I have totally forgotten. Sorry. And as I told them, it is seriously epic. I have to mention this on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So it might actually be a good thing, too, if you're... If you haven't read a lot of science fiction, or if you haven't read a lot of fantasy, or if there's certain areas of it that you haven't read, this might be helpful for figuring out like what you want to try and read next. Or just recommendations for stuff that... If you want recommendations for what is thought to be a good book... And, you know, maybe your friends aren't really the science fiction type. Yeah. And you don't know who to ask. Or you can think, or you can, if you, again, it's sort of like reader's advisory. Like yeah. reader's advisory is when someone comes up to the the, referen- the reference desk or the information desk of the library and says, can you recommend a book for me? And you say, okay, what kind of genres do you like? Okay, I like mysteries. Do you like cozies or do you like more hardcore mysteries? Oh, cozies. I like cozies. Yeah, cozies. Miss Marple thing. <laughs> usually it's an amateur detective, often takes place in a small town. It's usually a murder, but there's usually no gore. Okay. And it can also be, or um, Jessica Fletcher, Murder, She Wrote. Okay. That is like the definition of a cozy, or the best example. But cozy mysteries, where there's, it's not where it's, or, you know, where Viva the... Viva But yeah, we're basically like, it's not really gory. Okay. No serial killers. I just, um, I just think that's a cute name, cozy. But yeah, it's basically that sort of thing, like asking a lot of questions and seeing but what yes or no answers take you to, okay. you know, a, get to a recommendation. So basically, if you look at this flowchart, it's like the epic version of what librarians do <laughs> for reader's advisory, really. Except it will give you like one answer for each thing instead of maybe giving you like a bunch of right. answers. And yeah, it gives you a lot of places to start. And a lot of it, it has quite a range of stuff, too. Like, there's, like, really high fantasy. Or there's, you know, almost, you know, very fantasy stuff. There's, like, you know, Lord of the Rings, Robert Jordan, which is, like, very elaborate multi-series fantasy. We saw Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones we is in there. We saw Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But there's also, you know, you have, like, really high fantasy in it, but they also include time travel stuff like yep. they have the Outlander series yep. which is more like it's a historic novel where the main way that one of the characters gets into the story is through time travel. Yeah. You know that happens at the beginning of the first book and after that it's very much historical yeah. novel. So there's a lot of stuff in there that or you know again something like Hitchhiker's Guide which yeah is science fiction but it's also very high on the comedy. Yeah. So even for someone who has never read fantasy or doesn't really like high fantasy or doesn't really like really strong science fiction you know there's other there's a lot of variety of options in there and then thinking of things that are epic because I think one would say the run of the Simpsons is pretty epic I can't believe that show's been on for 23 years oh my god I remember the first episode was on I feel old but recently the Simpsons has been in the news because there has been some interesting contract negotiations with the cast drama (laughs) and a lot of geeks like the Simpsons or like the Simpsons at some point. So apparently the the studios have been saying that it's getting too expensive or much more expensive to create an episode. I think it even said it's now up to like $5 million an episode. Really? Yeah. Which is more, which I think they said in one article I said it is, means that Fox is actually operating at a loss for wow. some episodes. But so they wanted the voice cast for the show to take a pay cut to the tune of 45%. 
the cast said they would take a pay cut of 30% if they got a share of the back end. Right. So a share of the merchandising, merchandising and syndication payments and stuff like that. And Fox countered by saying, uh, if you hold out, we will cancel the show. So there have been sort of some sort of tensions, and then just recently, within the last few days, the cast has basically caved. There's still some little negotiations going on, but they've pretty much said, okay, yeah, we'll... We'll do it. And so The Simpsons will be on for a further two years. Yeah. So it sounds like at the end of that time, it will be ending. Which, for a lot of people that I know that liked The Simpsons at one point, is not a horrible thing. I think it's time. Yeah. these come and Yeah. Gone. The viewership has been, like, the, the viewership has been shrinking the last few years. And I mean, this was part of, sort of, public discussion of this, is like, the ratings for the show have been going down. Yeah. It's been on for 23 years. They've got, like, I don't know how many times the number of episodes that you need to do syndication. You know, this is not the time to be renegotiating. Uh, Maggie and I both listened to a podcast called Galactic Water Cooler, and in the last episode they were discussing it quite a bit, and they were all saying, like, guys, when you're about at the point when everyone's expecting this show to be cancelled yeah. <laughs> any time now, and, you know, be sort of like, oh, that show's still on? Yeah. Kind of cancelled? That is not the time to try and renegotiate. <laughs> but, of course, it also gets into the whole thing about, you know, how much actors and voice actors and stuff like that can be paid. Like, in the article I was reading today, the cast is getting $440,000 per episode. Now, take into consideration the current state of of the economy. Yeah. And how it's been for a couple of years. And apparently they've been getting paid that since about 2008. It was lower than that before that. And of course, they've, they've had a couple contract negotiations to go up. But I think... You know, from, I forget the exact amount. I think it was like $50,000 per episode they might have started at. That's still like a good income for a whole family. Yeah. For a year. So, I mean, it really gets into how much is this stuff really worth? Because, <laughs> I mean, we read about actors being paid millions for a single movie. movie. And, you know, and it's not that it isn't a hard job. It can be when you're, you know, shooting for like 16 hours. And it, it, it is tough to do that. And especially for people who work in TV where they are creating like, especially for people who are doing an hour of television. They're doing like a movie every two weeks. It's not easy. But when your stuff is on the verge of being obsolete. Yeah. <laughs> but even, I mean, even looking at other shows though, or, you know, looking at how much people are paid for, you know, movie actors are paid or how much like sports figures are paid. It's kind of, it gets to a point where, you know, the regular person has to really ask, like, is this really worth it? Like, maybe, no, there's nobody quite like Johnny Depp, or there's nobody quite like Robert Downey Jr., and they're very good actors, but, you know, there, there is just a, a, a point where you kind of have to figure, like... They're not going to be there forever, and somebody yeah. has got to start growing. To yeah, them. and someone, and when they are not there, someone is going to step into those kinds of roles. Somebody needs which means, to start to be given a chance at some point. Yeah. Oh, have you heard that uh, the world is supposed to end this month? Oh, really? It's this month? Yeah, it's this month. Apparently there was a miscalculation. Oh, yeah! This month was the month where, like, back in May, yes. when the guy was like, oh, yeah, it was the, the secret judgment. You won't know. Until later, the the rapture kind of happened. Like, everyone was judged, and now the world's going to end. Yeah. So yeah, that was this month, wasn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> supposed to be on the 21st. So it's still coming. The rapture is still coming, if anybody wants to get on that boat. You got a week. <laughs> Less than by the time you hear this. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, more than likely, you and I will still be here. Oh, yeah. We'll still be here now. <laughs> well, we won't be... Actually, we won't be here next week. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's true. I should mention, well, we can mention this now, since I just mentioned that. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't we, worry. We, if you don't hear us from next week, it is not because we have been raptured. Because I, I think I don't think we're prime candidates for rapture. Actually, <laughs> no. actually, it's going to be because I am going to Kentucky next week Yay! to visit some friends, some very geeky friends, very geeky online friends. Cool. Who I have actually met in person. Don't worry. They are not forty-five-year-old men living in their mother's basements. <laughs> they are not creepers. And you will you will be visiting yarny places out there. I don't want to be like. I go to yarn stores when they ask what you want to do. Because one of them kind of knits a little bit, but but I am intended, I, I have told them I do want to go to at least one or two yarn stores. Okay, so you will have vacation yarn when you come back. Yes, I've been looking forward to this because I need money for vacation, and vacation yarn money does not count. Yep. But yes, so there will not be a, because I'm going to be leaving Thursday the 20th. And I'm getting back on Monday the 24th. And so, obviously, even if we recorded, I wouldn't be able to edit all that weekend. So by the time the podcast came out, there'd be no point. Unless Maggie wants to find a guest host. No. Let's not go there. We may at some future date have... We a, do have a, plans for a special guest. A special guest. But it will be in addition to the two of us. Yes. It'll be a threesome. <laughs> Rawr. Oh my god, I'm going to have to have like hot chocolate and schnapps for that episode or something. <laughs> so moving on from that, that economic discussion, <laughs> onto cravings, covets, and crushes, well, we had to small... hopefully support the economics of a small business. Yeah. <laughs> I forget if I have mentioned we ones on here before. We, we might have mentioned them in passing. Yeah, I don't, know if, I don't know if we've ever actually done a Cravings, Covets, and Crushes. I might have mentioned them in passing. But there is a Etsy seller called We Ones that does these adorable stitch markers. They are so excellent. And I've gotten some of her stitch markers before. She does a lot of animals. She has tons of cats and dogs. And she does all these different breeds of dogs. I got little pug stitch markers because <laughs> my brother and sister-in-law have a pug. And they're, they're super adorable anytime. And she does all sorts of other... She does, like, little woodland animals and stuff. And they're really cute at any time. But for Halloween, <laughs> she did special stitch markers. She has a dog set and a cat set where they are dressed in costumes. costumes. I want the cat set so bad. Last time I looked, there was one set left. And I'm like, oh, I I'm shouldn't sure it's really buy popular. any money. But it, I shouldn't spend any money. But they're so cute. Basically, she has, like, with the little cats. They're different colored cats. One of them is wearing, like, a little bird costume. costume. So it has the little, like, hood that comes up on the cat's head. One of them is wearing a little eye patch and a little pirate <laughs> costume. I'm trying it's, to think and of it's them. amazing that it's so small. Yeah, they are teeny tiny. They are, if you laid them on their side, they would be smaller than a penny. They are small. Yeah. And they are But cute. detailed. And they're made of, uh, like, polymer clay. Yeah. Handmade by polymer, polymer clay. Every single one. She says yours might look slightly different than the ones in the photo, because each one is individually made. Yep. And I'm trying to think of the other ones for the cats. There was another one that had, like, it was another little sort of hooded costume, but I can't think of what it is, but it was adorable. And for the dogs, the main one I remember, main two I remember with the dogs, there was a pug wearing a bumblebee costume, <laughs> which is adorable. And, of course... The wiener dog? Yep, a dachshund in a little hot dog bun. It's so cute! And she also had, like, special Halloween ones. Like, there was one set that was, like, a little witch's hat... A little gravestone. Yeah. 
couple other little things, very Halloween-y sort of little things. There was another set of owls, each one of them wearing a witch hat. So cute. It was so cute. They're so adorable. You should really go check out her stuff because they are just enormously adorable. She usually says how large the ring is on the stitch marker and what size needle to go up to. But you can also mention in the comments of the order if you want smaller rings, if you want lobster claws, if you want a couple other different sort of And speaking fasteners. of which, she has, if I recall her Etsy store correctly, she has fish selections, she has woodland selections, barnyard selections, aka birds. farms, uh, birds, arctic. Yeah, she had arctic animals. Yeah. I think she's had like safari animals before she's had she has all sorts of food so you can get like little cupcakes yeah the sushi ones oh god totally yes. cute yeah and she has other little whimsical ones she had she's had christmas themed ones yep like, with, little, with little penguins wearing different colored scarves and i keep going back to the Santa loons hats. oh the loons the loons yes, are pretty loons. i think she was the one that had loons there was like you could get one like adult loon and then little baby loons, fledglings, I think they're called, I can't remember. But yeah, they're so cute. And I've ordered from her a couple times, and she's always been really nice. There was one time, I she even, I, ha- I actually lost one of the pug stitch markers because of the way, that the rings that she had had on them at the time. And I convoyed her to see, like, is there a way I can close the little gap on this ring? Because I lost one of my stitch markers. It just fell off. And she was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. So she sent me, like, different rings that had, that were closed, like a closed loop. Yeah. And that I could put them on and sent me a replacement stitch marker. Yeah, so she's she's always been, like, the customer service I've had with her has been really good. She was, um, before she did her Etsy store full-time, she was a scientist. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, I read about her making the decision to go full-time her own little Etsy store. That's her Mm full-time job now. And uh, her her recommendation for people thinking about it is to make sure you know as much as you can about the market you're going into. Mm -hmm. And she was saying, my husband and I deal with scientific data all the time, so we were graphing and charting everything (laughs) that we could, and we loved it. And I'm like, oh my god. (laughs) I just remembered, she does knitting needles, too. Yep. With little polymer clay in your needle tops. So yes, that's Wee Ones on Etsy. And of course the link will be in the show notes, but I'm sure if you just Google Wee Ones, W-E-E-O-N-E-S, and Etsy, and you'll find the shop. And it's adorable, and I want to spend money. If you don't freaking squee at first sight, you're in the wrong store. Yeah. Okay, in other cravings, covets, and crutches, hello, Rhinebeck is going on right now. Uh, I want to be there. One of these days, man. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days when we have money and we can plan like five months ahead so we can actually get a hotel room. Yeah. And we got to work around this whole rapture thing. It's just yeah. totally getting in the way. But yeah, Rhinebeck is going on right now. Big hello to everybody who is out there enjoying the New England fall. It looks like the weather might be kind of crappy, so. Well, serves them right for not having us then. Yes. If we had gone, it would be perfect, yep. obviously. Yeah. Everyone have fun at the big Ravelry meetup. And travel safe. And if you are in our Ravelry group, if you listen to the podcast and you're going to Rhinebeck, send us photos of stuff that you got oh and our stuff photos God, that you took there yes. so that we can pretend that we were there. Send us photos of cool stuff that you see, even if it's, you know, 
the person in front of you in line for funnel cakes has a way cool sweater, the same one that you're working on. Go ahead, take a picture of it. I think actually a couple a year or two ago, I think there was actually a hashtag on Twitter called Imaginary Rhinebeck or Virtual <laughs> Rhinebeck or something like that. And basically people were using that on Twitter and they were like writing as though they were at Rhinebeck. That's cute. And so it was like we were all pretendy fun times at Rhinebeck on the internets. That's great because, you know, then... The and you fun- a lot of people talking back and forth, pretending they were at, you know, the Ravelry party and stuff. Then funnel cakes don't have any calories that way either. Yeah, <laughs> Virtual funnel cake. Virtual lamb sandwiches. All the yum without the bar. Where the hell as is that every, come from? As every member of our, as every listener instantly converts to vegetarian. Let's pull away from the crazy Karen. Bleh. I am going to pimp this app. This is, this app, the advertisement for this app has been floating around message boards a little bit. It is Rethink Breast Cancer, and it is your man reminder app. It starts as a doctor looking at the camera and saying, you know, it's come to my attention that a lot of women are not checking regularly for symptoms of breast cancer. And he says he's not going to talk about it because statistics show that women pay closer attention when a hot guy talks about it. So he refers the fi- the video off to a really a nice looking guy. guy who, as he talks about the benefits of checking for breast symptoms of breast cancer, starts to unbutton his shirt, revealing a very nice cut body. The whole concept of the app is that you will have a reminder from a hot guy. You know, you get to select your guy profile. Pick which one you like. The guy yeah, next door. They have the, the guy next door, the, the sporty preppy, guy, you know, the professional the, guy. Right. And you can set it to weekly, monthly, or spontaneous surprise. And he will remind you that it's time for you to touch your boobs. In the video, it actually goes through the checkpoints of TLC, which is touch, look, and check. And you'll see a man massage his own breast. Quote, unquote, <laughs> breast. His man boob. Um, His boob. Anyways, the point is (laughs) it's well worth you know, the download time because it's a free app! Now my thing... And there are hot guys! My thing is, is that there are only six guys. I think there need to be 12. I think they need to throw in a couple more ethnicities. Right now they've got, what is it, two black guys and four white guys? Uh, yeah, it looks like um, this guy might have a little bit of Latino blood in him. Yeah. And of course, with an app like this, you can tell from the name that, unfortunately, anyone who prefers same-sex, any woman who prefers same-sex partners is kind of out of luck with this. Sorry. But really, the the marketing behind this, brilliant. My only recommendation, add more guys. Because um, it, it, if this is sort of like the free license to, you know, have a hot guy remind you to, you know, touch your girly, well, the girly bits above your waist. This is so going way, like... Your lady pillows. The, the penalty box has, like just collapsed under itself. I can keep going. I read romance novels. I have tons of euphemisms. You could. (laughs) This is basically licensed to, in your head, flirt with the guys that are on your your screen. I want more guys. My palette is going to change throughout, you know, and I kind of want some more on the menu. 
Whoever made this app? Add a cowboy. Oh, <laughs> hells yeah, add a cowboy. I wonder if you could get, like, celebrities to make guest appearances if you make, a, like, a donation. It's a free app at the moment, but if, like, you pay two ninety nine, you can get, like, Hugh Jackman. I had that thought about five minutes ago, and you imagine it. You can, you probably know who I was imagining in my Dude, head. Dude, oh, this could spawn into <laughs> so much Can you imagine Kiefer fabby. Sutherland in that velvet voice telling you to touch your boobs? I could see my husband going, honey... Why are you why are you doing the boob check again tonight? The you know, this is the third time this hour. It's it I'm sorry, it's my one of my spontaneous I I was instructed to. I had to. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I don't know what's you, up with this app, but I mean it's still telling me to check my boobs, so but you've got it set like, to once every fifteen minutes. Okay, so it is a free app, it is for a good cause, maintaining health of your boobs. But let's not forget that men also get breast cancer. Yes. A lot of guys don't know that. In which case, this app would work for gay men. Yes, it would. Yeah, actually, so long as they don't mind the pink background. They just need to make some. La- they had. They just need to have some ladies to appeal to straight guys. Yeah, and gay women. I haven't had enough alcohol or chocolate to accommodate the thoughts that are searing through <laughs> my skull. That can be rectified. <laughs> How late is the liquor store open again? Guys, we gotta go. I'll be my bunk. High five. <laughs> All right, we gotta go. And no, we're not sending you pictures. <laughs> Bye. Have a good night. Bah. Thanks for listening. For show notes or to comment, you can visit our blog at knit1geek2.mtpockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1-G-E-E-K-2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also email us at knit1geek2 at gmail.com. You can also join in the conversation at our Ravelry group. Just search under groups for knit1geek2. You can also find us on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash knit1geek2. Thanks for listening.